This is um, Conversations recorded on 9-16-2019, Jilly James bouncing a Teen Wolf idea. Cool. So I had the real, I had a, you know how you get that what if sometimes it's just like it kind of takes over your brain, but you're like, where would that go? Mm-hmm. Where would that go? So I got this what if idea. Um the other day and it was it's sort of a character redemption arc but that's not i guess that wouldn't be the main point of it entirely but it would certainly would accomplish that as well but i was sitting there thinking what if when i could kind of see the beginning in my head victoria arger when she was pregnant with allison there's like this moment of change where she decided she wasn't going to tell her husband that she was pregnant and so she decided to go on a hunt for maybe a wendigo or something like that and um what if a werewolf protected her and from this Wendigo when she got separated from her husband and maybe that for her, her not being attacked by this other, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. This Wendigo um, prevented her from losing the baby and it gave her a different perspective on werewolves and she stopped thinking of them. And so she talked to her husband about, you know, her perceptions. And um, so what if Victoria Argent didn't come to Beacon Hills hating werewolves but if she was wanting to work with them and what if she was against the whole argent family the, the gerard's perspective on things and i was wondering how that would go how that would change things but then i was like well i don't i'm trying to think if it would change anything i'm trying to, and then i got to thinking like well because my first thought would be like a canon a canon interrupt for season one if there are argents in town where victoria is a force for um, protecting, like literally everybody who should be protected, versus how she was full on with the werewolf hatred when she mm-hmm. came to town. So I was like, well, but would would it would it would the, would could that have actually prevented the hail fire? And so I, then it kind of like my idea started kind of like branching, or you know, kind of sometimes an idea has too many different or possible directions, and you kind of get a little discombobulated. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if. If anything, she might do might prevent the hail fire, or if 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 she and Chris are on a different path, if the hail fire still happens, but she hears about it, um, and she does something, or she could you know get suspicious, like why is Kate in Beacon Hills? Um, you might connect it more by making the werewolf that saves her Talia Hale. Mm. Ever how you say her name? I always say it, Talia. So I'm with you on that. Because um, that gives you a deeper connection. And it would probably make her more hyper-focused on Beacon Hills. And maybe even suggest that they move to Beacon Hills to be the hunters, the official hunters for the area, her and Chris. Um... So when Kate rolls into town, Victoria ha- um, isn't having any of it. Because this is her territory. Mm, I like that. Ponder, ponder, ponder. Because I think that you could, because when I first started like plotting it, I was thinking of it as an idea to, to you know, to have her stop Gerard's shenanigans. But then I got to wondering... Would her being different prevent Kate's shenanigans? 
and then I got thinking that it might be an interesting idea for her to roll into town and um, realize what Kate is doing with Derek and put a stop to it. I think it could be an interesting angle for things to be different, to go different. I mean, it, if the thing is, is you could do like this whole, you know, um, sisterhood thing where um, if Talia saved Victoria's life and therefore saved the, her only child as well, it's the only child she ever has. Um, that's a bond of sisterhood that could transcend species. Yeah. Especially, say, for instance, if Talia took a, a significant wound protecting her. Like, literally put her life at risk to do it. Because I would imagine that that's not a... I'm just thinking here. Because if you give them that sisterhood angle... Um, Victoria is, from my impression of canon, an ex a character of extremes. So if you give them that sisterhood angle, I don't even know if Kate would risk crossing her sister-in-law. If Kate knows about it. But I would think Victoria would be savvy enough not to let Gerard know. But the thing is, I'm just that that's what I'm trying to think is if she's really got a different perspective on werewolves, what would she I'm trying to decide what she would do with that perspective. Would she just set up camp in Beacon Hills right away and just protect that territory and keep other hunters away from Talia? And the yeah, Hales? I, was, I mean, you know, if if it was me, I would mark that territory as my own. She's an arch. Um, she's an argent, an argent ma uh, matriarch, right? She has that power. She has that ability. Um, mm -hmm. In truth, she. If, Chris is the older brother, right? So Victoria is older than Kate. Yes, and conceivably, um, it's conceivable that. Um, um, so Victoria is actually the head of the argent family. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's definitely, I think that it's, I don't think it's quite clearly spelled out in canon, but it certainly is something that could be interpreted that way. That's how I'd write it. Yeah. <laughs> so if Kate, so I'm just, I'm tr that's what I'm trying to decide. So if I'm trying to do Victoria is different, I'm trying to decide just how different she would be because she came into her bigotry through her Hunter family, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like this is difficult ripples because it goes so far back. It's like, what would it do? How would she do? You know, if, if you write it that she's able to exert a fair amount of influence. Um, Kate could rebel. Yeah, she could. Which could lead to her acting out in seriously ugly ways. Because Gerard is now Gerard's a big problem um, still because he has a lot of ties. So I would think that they're, I mean, it would probably, I guess it would depend on what kind of story I could tell because I could write the Hunter Council politics to be whatever I wanted it to be to support the end goal of the, 
if Kate and Chris are kind of acting on their own and, and they can't get other hunters behind what they do with following the code and all of those kinds of shenanigans. Um, you know, so if they're kind of more isolated, then I could see her really wanting to set up shop in Beacon Hills and be close and protect that territory and keep other hunters out of it. Um, she could even hunt with the Hales, but if I wanted her to be able to exert more influence and try to have this more positive effect on hunters in general, where there becomes more, she, she becomes a force for a divide in the hunter ranks where those who really want to just be murderers go to one side and want those who really want to honor the code go to the other. Um, you could really fashion it so that, um, she declares hunters that don't follow the code fair game because yeah. it makes no sense to me that werewolves fear hunters but hunters don't fear werewolves so if she is the head of the biggest hunter family in the united states and she says you either follow the code or you're fair game and there's no retribution And she could broker a, a peace deal with Talia. And Talia could represent um, the werewolf families in that. And say, okay, th this is this is the code. You follow it or you're fair game. Both sides. And what you, yeah. And what could happen is that... Um, because if she looks at herself as like, you know, we're, we're not here to hunt. We're here to be like the supernatural police force. We call ourselves hunters, but we're here to police the supernatural. And werewolves are a part of that infrastructure um, in helping police. Because honestly, werewolves are much better, would be much better at hunting the big supernatural baddies than a bunch of guys with guns, right? I mean, that just, it just makes complete sense to me that werewolves and and hunters should be working together to police supernatural, but that we know when werewolves go completely off the reservation, the hunters, it almost is a kindness for the hunters to go, we'll, we'll take care of it. So you don't have to do that to right. your own. Um, but it became this adversarial thing. Of course, Canon sets it up with this whole, the origins and the beast of whatever that was um, as the first werewolf. Although I do not believe for a second that that was the first were werewolf. Um, but you know you could um set all that would you want to write that story or would, or would that be your background well i'd have to work it out i don't know i i don't wouldn't i don't think i'd want to write that story i'd want to write the story that is the the key conflict which would be could be that if let's say she does that let's say she does because there's there'd be no reason for her to set up shop in beacon hills if she's got kind of a larger mandate so if she's like really taking charge and she's helping make sure that where other hunter families are doing what they're supposed to do. And she's making sure that the werewolf, the larger werewolf packs. So the Argents could be moving around. Um, but what if Kate and Gerard are just pretending to go along with it and she gets suspicious. And that could be the interesting story to tell is that Kate does go to Beacon Hills. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe she's starting to, I hate using this term, but it's the truth. Maybe she's just starting to groom Derek. And, um, um, Make Talia, 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 how do you say her name? I think it's Talia, but, Talia. um, Make her it's a little weird. bit more aware of her son. Yeah. Cause they were kind of given the thing. It, yeah. Well, they were kind of giving a little of a hands-off thing with, 
um, Derek, I think, because of Paige's death. Uh, is my Which interpretation of canon. by who? I don't know if it was orchestrated by anybody exactly. That part's unclear. Um, Ennis bit Paige to, as a, I think it was intended to be kind of a favor, but it's not really clear in canon. I think that anybody actually asked him specifically for that. It's more, I, the way I interpret it is that he overheard a conversation or something between Derek, maybe Derek and Peter. But it's really vague about exactly, you know, why he did that. Well, honestly, um, biting Paige would be enough to get Kate Argent's attention because that would be a violation of the code. Not Kate, but um, I'm, I'm Victoria. So that could be enough to bring her to Beacon Hills. I mean, here's a girl who's connected to the Hale family who's been bitten um, against her will. She's underage and it kills her. You could also take the death of her out of um, Derek's hands so that he doesn't have to kill her himself. That's a pretty harsh thing to put on a 15-year-old boy. It really is. I mean, that's why his eyes were blue in canon, right? It was because of Paige. And which is why I have to think that the whole blue eye thing is more about guilt than it is about actual taking yeah. a life kind of thing. I mean, you could put Peter in the role of enforcer for the pack and let him do it. Yeah. Um, it'd be a mercy killing. So it would be something that, you know, that Derek would understand. Um, maybe even be relieved by it that, that he wasn't the one who had to do it. Although I don't know why a 15 year old would think it'd be his job anyway. So there was already an issue in the Hale family before Paige's death that he didn't seek out his mom in that moment when that was happening. Why did it, why did Derek think that was his responsibility? Well, he found Paige like um, out in the woods mm -hmm. and she was dying and suffering. And so he ended her suffering. It's just um, not, not great. But that whole thing, I think that if I remember correctly, I'd have to, this is where I have to go in and double check the canon events. Because if I remember correctly, and so this is something I'd have to ad address, is Ennis was in town with Deucalion and um, the other alphas and whatnot for that supposed peace summit that Gerard Argent set up, um, which was intended to massacre them. And he blinded Deucalion. And that's when Deucalion's beta turned on him. Deucalion killed his beta and then killed, and then killed his whole pack. Um, so I, I, and I'm trying to think, I'd have to look into those events to figure out, you know, did, how did that even, did that even happen? Cause I could see Gerard still trying to do some stuff, you know, um, trying to stir some shit up, but I just don't know that he'd he'd stir shit, shit up in the exact same way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if he's trying to fl fly under um, Victoria's radar and make her think he's following the code when he's not, I don't think he'd he'd be able to orchestrate a peace summit kind of thing without her knowing about it and probably being suspicious. Especially in Talia's land. Because Talia refused to go. She told the other alphas that it was a bad idea. Um, I'm pulling up the wiki so that I can... I don't know why my voice is kind of raspy today. It's weird. I 
I think there's something interesting about the idea of Kate rolling, not Kate, but Victoria coming into town to check on something, whatever it is, whether it's Paige's death, although it's possible that by changing the circumstances around that peace summit, that Ennis and Deucalion wouldn't even be in town. Um, But by changing, so, but I think there's something interesting about the idea of finding her, her coming into town, maybe quietly and finding Kate there. And she's like, I wonder what she's up to. Cause she's not supposed to be here. Maybe Beacon Hills is off limits or something like that. Like, why is she here? And then she finds out, you know, she starts checking into it quietly. Cause maybe she doesn't tell Kate she's there. And then she um, finds out Kate's not there under her real name. And she's working at the, maybe she's, I, I always kind of go in for the substitute teacher angle that she's a substitute teacher at the high school and that she's, you know, having a lot of after hours, you know, detentions with Derek Hale and she gets really suspicious. What are you doing? That puts a whole ugly slant on that whole relationship with Derek. I mean, not that it wasn't ugly enough, but that's just that well, it's ugly. It is, but that, but that I'm not, that's the way I always write it is that she was a substitute teacher. I mean, I, I've seen people write it other ways, but I think the substitute teacher trope is pretty common. Because I don't know how else, I guess it makes sense, because how else does a grown-ass woman get in close contact on a regular basis with a teenager whose life is home and school? I think right. she has to approach him at school. And how do you do that? You become a teacher. So ugly. So I'm checking some information about the... So how does she deal with her sister-in-law who's not only violating the code, but she's a child rapist? Or planning to. I think I'd want to stop it before we got that. I'd like to remove that emotion. Well, I mean, for Derek, yes. But I don't believe for a moment that Derek was her first victim. Oh, I don't either. I think she'd have to kill her. Or rather, maybe if she's made it clear that, you know, you're fair game if you break the code and you're a hunter. Maybe she offers her to Talia. And Talia is more than happy to kill this woman who was planning to sexually assault her child. I think she was definitely playing a dangerous game that she was getting away with um, in actually, honestly, in an unrealistic fashion. Because, you know, they, they talk about werewolves being able to smell and stuff. How how did this boy go home smelling like a grown woman and his mother not notice? Their body chemistry changes a lot. It would it would have been obvious that he was not making out with some girl behind the bleachers. And I don't know that he'd be able to clean it off thoroughly enough. So, I don't know. I don't, I I I don't I. I think if things would be going differently. Maybe well, yeah. I, it'd be it'd be really hard to. It's really hard in canon to understand. It'd be really hard. It's hard to me. It's really hard in canon to understand um, how they never knew. 
how none of them ever knew because in canon they make it's clear in canon that they can smell they can smell down to emotions because there's a, there's a there's an episode where Derek steps out on a roof a rooftop so we're talking open air and he talks about the chemo signals he can tell what Styles was feeling when he was out there what he was feeling so how did his mom not know that he was banging a a, a somebody somebody but especially I would think, like you said, I think they'd be able to tell it was a grown woman. But um, well, you know, I mean, not to be explicit, but just my vagina smelled differently when I was younger than it did as an adult woman, especially after I became sexually active. There, there is a distinct difference in just your, I guess, your body chemistry, or but well. I mean, you're, obviously your hormone profile changes when, when puberty is over, right? And there's no 15-year-old girl that's finished with puberty. So I, mean, I don't know how she could have missed the fact that... that or Peter was there yeah, as or well. Peter. I mean, there was a, a, a... Actually, at that point in canon, there was a bevy of adult werewolves in that house because they all got killed by Kate. So was, was Derek just not going home at all? And if so, wasn't that an issue? It actually makes Talia not to be, it, it paints her to not be a very good mother. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of stories where it's interpreted that she's not a very good mother. Um, so according to the wiki, that whole thing that went down was that the Argents, Chris and, Chris and Gerard, killed one of Ennis's betas. And Ennis asked, asked Deucalion to come help him exact vengeance on them in Beacon Hills, I guess. I don't know why they, I don't know why this was going down in Beacon Hills. That's really unclear. So Deucalion instead was, at that time, the way he was at that time, he sought peace instead by arranging a meeting with Talia and then wanting to meet with the Argents to try to arrange peace. But the whole thing was a trap, which he would have to, I don't know how he could not suspect it was a trap because the reason Gerard Argent had a hate on for um, Deucalion is because Deucalion in 1977 bit Alexander Argent who then killed himself. That's when you get introduced to the idea. Well, that's actually not when you get introduced, but you're introduced, introduced in that episode to the, to this, this prior Argent who shot himself in the head in a hotel room in 1977. So you would think that Deucalion would know there's no peace possible between Gerard and him. So it's just, it's utterly bizarre that he would come there with the intention of brokering a peace deal. Well, that meeting probably wouldn't even be on the table if you establish the relationship between Talia and Victoria. Yeah, it wouldn't. It, yeah, because if 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 that whole thing started to go down, well, for starters, the Argents wouldn't have killed Ennis's Beta because I would imagine that Victoria would be keeping them as much as she could out of that part of California. So, yeah. And the other side of that would be is that um, if they're not there, then Paige doesn't get bitten, which takes a little bit of Derek's vulnerability off the table because she preyed on Derek 
um, he was already vulnerable. He, he, he'd had to, he was involved in the mercy killing of his mother, of, of, of his girlfriend. Um, and so he was already kind of like going off the rails. So if you prevent that and you don't have that vulnerability and you've also got Italia who's much more involved in um, the structure of her family um, who might also at this point be seeing Derek as a more viable option as the next alpha. She'd be paying a hell of a lot more attention to him. Because I don't think that um, Laura was a good choice. No. So if... If Laura... So if, if Talia... I mean, if... Um, what if Talia got suspicious about this teacher that was making Derek uncomfortable? Because he maybe mentioned something to his mother or to Peter or something. And then Talia calls Victoria. Maybe Talia goes and follows this teacher and gets a picture of her and says to Victoria and says, do you know who this is? And maybe Victoria goes, "That's yeah, I'll be there. I I'm on my way. I'll take care of it. Um, and then that sets Derek up a lot better. Well, you know, what if it's not Derek? What if it's Paige? Imagine you're dating somebody in, in high school. Um, he's cute. He's on the sports team, you know, he's a good catch. His parents have got money. Then you got some substitute teacher looking at him like he's a piece of meat and she wants some of it. Maybe he even finds it kind of flattering, even if he's not going to go there because he's got a girlfriend. But what if she goes home to, to mama and says, hey, um, the teacher is hitting on Derek and he doesn't think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. I think it's a very big deal. You know, because teenage girls are, are jealous as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so I could see her going to Derek's mom and saying, hey, he thought this was a big deal, but this heifer is hitting on Derek. <laughs> and it's like, and, and maybe Talia could think that it's overblown or something like that. That she's, like she's overreacting. And then maybe she just kind of hangs in the background at the school parking lot one day or something and sees this teacher interacting with Derek on like the school steps or something. And she's like, Oh no, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? Your body language towards my son is not something I'm okay with. Okay. So we get, we get Victoria and Chris coming to town for Kate. And Victoria, so I would think at this point, Victoria starts digging into what Kate's up to. So I have to really work on what the whole structure of the Hunter's Council is like at this point and what their reactions would be. Because I'm thinking that Kate has maybe been quietly killing werewolves when she could. Um, and then she decided... I think maybe she, she probably hasn't done anything as big as the Hailfire. Because yeah. that probably would catch attention. Too much attention, yeah. It's just random deaths here or there. And then maybe that gives... Victoria and Avenue to look into some of these past deaths to find out if somebody matching Kate's description was in town during the time of these maybe one-off or random deaths. And in fact, Kate could be kind of choking under the um, leadership of Victoria. She's a little pissed off. She knows that Beacon Hills is off limits and there's only one major werewolf family in that in, in Beacon Hills. And maybe in this AU, because of Victoria's directives, the Hales become a target so attractive that she can't not. 
that she goes from these small time killings to family annihilation in response to Victoria's um, chokehold on the family. And she targets the Hales to maybe like to start a, a civil war of sorts. Yeah, well, I like that. What if? Oh, this especially if she wants to wrestle control of the family away from Victoria. What if she's trying to? What if she actually is deliberately catching Victoria's attention, and she knows she's going to get caught? Oh, okay. What if? What if she and Gerard? What if? They know that what they have to do to get control back, because maybe Victoria's risen to a very pretty prominent position amongst the hunters. And what if they know that the thing they have to do is dethrone Victoria, but they can't just kill her? They need to turn her into a werewolf. So what if Gerard's hiding in the background with maybe an alpha werewolf that they've captured that they plan to set loose on Victoria? And Kate is just trying to grab Victoria's attention to get Victoria into Beacon Hills so that Talia will get blamed for the attack on the head of the hunters. And, and if she doesn't know the history between Talia and Victoria, she would see that as something that's totally viable. Yeah. I really like that idea. So she's trying to lure her there with, you know, and she could just play it off like, oh, you know, I'm just I'm just feeling things out. I'm just checking out this pack because you never come here. You know, no one's checked out this pack or screened this pack in a long time. And I'm just trying to make sure you're being objective or something. When really the plan was to lure her there all along and get Talia blamed for an attack on the head of the hunters. But I'm thinking that it won't actually be, somebody will step in and it won't be Victoria that gets bit. Um, somebody's going to get bit. It could be that the alpha they that they've captured fucking knows better. I mean, if he's in Talia um, Hale's territory, he has to know better than to maul Victoria Argent. Yeah. Well, but if they drive him crazy and they deprive him of, because that's in canon, is that they they have that bank that they locked, um, they locked Erica and Boyd and Cora in, and they deprive them of the moon. Basically, they use it has it's like the the bank, this old bank, this old closed bank, is lined with I can't remember what the rock is called, but it's a rock that prevents them from basically getting the effect of the moon. And that after a certain amount of time for a wolf without getting being able to feel the effect of the moon because of the way this rock supernaturally buffers it or somehow, that they go crazy. They go a batshit crazy. And they kept them in this bank for months, um, in the ring of mountain ash. Um, to drive them insane so that when the rescue team came in to, uh, you know, get them out, that they would attack them. And they did. And that's how Erica um, initially was killed and then later Boyd. That's disgusting. Yeah. Well, the hunters are horrifying. I mean, the things, I mean, they're very clear that they, I, I mean, basically they alluded to, they don't just hunt werewolves. They did a lot of medical experimentation on them because Chris alludes to that when he releases Erica and Boyd after Gerard captures them and is torturing them is he talks about, you know, that they know precisely exactly how much electricity is required 
to prevent a werewolf from being able to shift without harming them irreparably. It's like, wow. which, which means they've experimented with that on ex extensively. extensively. It, uh, yeah, on both alphas and on betas, because you'd think it requires more electricity for an alpha. So they had done these experiments on how how much to and so they basically they're getting some level of constant electrocution when they're being held by these hunters so i mean it's just it's the, the hunters are just evil as fuck and so i got this idea of what if they weren't evil as fuck you know um but i like the idea that they're trying to lure they've got they've got an alpha that they're slowly driving crazy and they're trying to subtly and maybe they know victoria will sniff out a trap but it has to, Kate has to look like she's doing something shady so that Victoria will come in to stop her. And that's when they plan to enact this plan to get Victoria or even really any Argent mauled by an alpha werewolf. And then they can try to blame it on Talia. Or what if instead of biting whoever gets in his path, he kills Kate? Not bite her, not make her a werewolf, but just outright kills her. Well, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, Gerard it's a dangerous like game for them to be playing anyway. Yeah, but they do stuff like that, so I could see Because why definitely... is the first option to bite? I mean, I was thinking that in kind of insanity, the first option might be rip limb from limb. <laughs> well, you'd think, but the thing is that well, we know from canon that the first impulse of an alpha, no matter how crazy they are, if they don't have a pack, is to make a pack. That's why the first thing Peter did when he'd get free is he'd go out and bite somebody. If he was trying to build a pack because he needed so that's I mean, there's there's some room for interpretation in that. Um, but if their assumption is but I mean, the story changes dramatically depending on who gets bit, if anybody gets bit. But Question. you could. I, mm -hmm. Where does Alpha come from and where's his pack? Well, they would have. It would probably. I'm thinking it would have been a small pack and they killed the pack off to drive the Alpha crazy. Because they would know exactly what they needed to do. They needed to have a, a packless Alpha that they've been driving to be feral. Um, you so they'd use Ennis for this. Ennis would be a good choice. One option that just is occurring to me. So I'm trying to think about um, he'd be pretty young then. But what if it's like, like the other a guy, the, the Duclean or whatever his name is? Kalian? No, I wouldn't want to use Duke. I like the idea of because Ducalian was actually a good guy, right? Um, until he got blinded by Gerard and then his, his pack turned on him. And he, I think he just went crazy. I think he went absolutely bonkers after that. Because, I mean, if his reaction back then was not to go on the on the on the offensive but to try to broker a peace deal he, i i think whereas ennis was the more violent type and i do think he was trying to stir up tensions in beacon hills when he bit page but what if there's just a bad confluence of events and the person that this wolf winds up biting is a very would well, it'd be a very young styles Yeah, I mean, he'd be eight or nine years old. If Derek is 15. He'd be, well, in my in my world building, he'd be 11. Um, okay. So that's still fairly young, obviously. Um, His mom's still dead. That's sad. Yeah. 
But the good side of that is that Talia would not leave Noah, um, Noah in the dark. Not about his own kid. No, definitely not. But so, so I could do, well, there's a couple things I could do. Um, if I wanted to like position Derek to be an alpha anyway, he could kill Ennis. Protecting, trying to protect Styles, And wind up with Ennis's alpha spark. Um, hmm. Okay. So what if, just what if, um, Okay. Kate's plan is to get Victoria to come. So she's got her attention. She's got her. She's got this feral alpha. How does the feral alpha and Styles cross paths? I go with Styles being typical Styles, and that there's been some strangeness down by the bank. And, you know, he hears about it when he's at the police station, and he goes there. Getting Styles there, and it actually could be the Alpha never gets anywhere near. Um, it could be that that's the plan. The whole plan is to get in the path of Victoria, and then the whole plan gets ruined because Styles just wanders into this old bank. Well, at that age, you know it just wouldn't be Styles. No, it'd be Styles and Scott. Yeah. <laughs> They might as well have been one word at that age, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, they'd be Styles and Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Styles, Styles was, I think he was always the kind of kid who would have prevented, um, would have thrown himself into into trouble to save his, his save Scott. So, it'd be an interesting parallel, actually, on the actual show. What if Styles and Scott really, really like Derek Hale? And they're always following him around. And he like he he kind of ignores it. <laughs> but thinks it's also kind of amusing that that they do it. So what if they follow him to the bank? And Kate has lured him there or something. There was one where Derek was, um, he volunteered at the, at the, at the town library. Mm -hmm. And Styles was like always there. Always there. Always there. So yeah. Kind of like a little crush on Derek. And everybody thought it was really cute, but Derek. <laughs> I don't know where I read that. Well, because honestly, as long as the adult side of that partner or the older side of that thing is is being behaving, it's very cute behavior because that's what kids do. They get crushes on people who are way too old for them. Um, that's what we do. I mean, I'm pretty sure when I was 12, I had a crush on a 30-year-old man. So, yeah, and probably a 30-year-old woman or two or 12 or whatever. I mean, I had a major crush on Katie Lang when I was younger, so... But I think every woman has had a crush on Katie Lang. And if you haven't, I don't you know a single woman who hasn't had a crush on Katie Lang. <laughs> and she and if does I not want to talk to her. Well, when I saw that cover, I don't even know when it was. When was that cover of? Was it? Um, 
it was the cover of Vanity Fair that had Cindy Crawford and um, Katie Lang on it with the shaving chair, the barber chair. You remember that? Yes. I mean, the first time I saw that, that was uh, that was 1993. So I would have been 20. And the first time I saw it, I just did like a double take. And I, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't Cindy Crawford that was catching my attention. It was Katie Lang. And I was like, holy shit. Right? I was like, wow. <laughs> Look at you. Actually, it was, uh, yeah, it was this picture. It, was, it wasn't even the picture. The cover was good, but it was the picture from inside that really was the one that did it for me. And I just found it. I was like, that's not the picture I'm remembering, but I just found the one I'm remembering. <sighs> well, if you want Scott, if you want Styles there, then you have Scott because they're one person at this point. Yeah, that is some really hot, really, really hot. Um, but uh what if Skiles and Scott are just doing the Styles and Scott thing and um they're following Derek like you said they're following Derek around and they don't Scott's Derek probably complaining about it because maybe Styles has the crush and Scott's kind of jealous. That's his nature, even probably even then. Like, oh we gotta follow this guy around. You don't need a new friend. I'm your friend. <laughs> well, I think it's with them with them following him is a little problematic because he should be able to sniff them out and hear, hear them, especially if Scott's bitching because they don't know he's a werewolf. So they're so they're going to think keeping twenty feet back is going to be sufficient, and it, it actually wouldn't be. So it'd have to be something more like Scott. Maybe Styles overhears where Derek is going to go, and actually he could he could leave Scott because if Scott is bitching him about it, and he wants to go see what Derek's up to. And um, Scott is bitching at him about it. Maybe he would, they would split, take different paths. And so Scott's there. Oh, what if it's not a feral werewolf? What if Kate leverages Derek to try to force Talia to bite Victoria? She plans to kidnap Derek. That's her plan. Yeah. Like, what if the whole point is to cause a huge divide between Victoria and Talia. And in order to do that, she's leveraging Derek. Um, and she tries to make Talia bite Victoria or she's going to kill Derek. The thing is, in that situation, if I think if, if what would be the shocking thing in that is that if, if Talia, if Victoria were confronted a bite, you know, if, if Talia were confronted with, they were in that situation and Victoria hears that, that Talia's son's life is on the line, she's going to say, bite me. Yes, absolutely. Which, bite would, me. That, which would totally solve Kate off her game. And that way you don't have to, I mean, if you do that, it, you don't have to converge them all in the bank situation. It can take place almost anywhere. Yeah. But there's no, then the, nobody's going to be biting styles then. There's no reason for, for Talia to bite Styles unless he gets hurt some other way. Yeah. Like unless eight. he takes unless he interferes and shot. Tries, and gets shot trying to get Derek. Yeah. Maybe he's trying to get maybe Derek's tied up and he's trying to get Derek loose. And there's a fight going on, and um, 
Kate leverages the weapon, whatever she's using, and um, Derek's trying to get Styles out of the way, and Styles isn't moving because he's trying to get those ropes off or whatever you know, on whatever they're using to keep Derek in place. And I, I think that they would definitely have to restrain him because you would not want a fifteen-year-old werewolf um, in play in that kind of situation defending his mom. That's a recipe for disaster. And Styles gets shot instead. Yeah. So now then her sister, her sister-in-law has not only attempted to create um, a civil war between the hunters and the werewolves, but she shot a human child. So whatever she does to Kate after this, no one's going to have jack shit to say. Because not only has she shot a human child, she shot the human child of the county sheriff. I don't like that as a means of dealing with Kate. And the kind of injury, I would, I would give Styles the kind of injury that, you know, is probably the most, you know, a, a, a werewolf bites, probably spinal cord injury. Um, something that... Um, because in general, I would think, you know, a parent would be like, no, you, he might, if, if it's just, if it's a typical gunshot wound, because it, for, when I see like terminal wounds in Teen Wolf, like, you know, the bleeding out, right? I don't see how the werewolf bite helps in those situations because it doesn't take effect that fast. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, I think to be even semi-realistic, it has to be a wound that it would cause like severe loss of function in some way um but that is survivable otherwise because if, if it's going to be you know instantly like you're going to die in 10 minutes the werewolf bite isn't going to help so it has to be something that would make them want to think the risk was worth it um okay how about this kate takes the shot styles gets hit Victoria and Talia both turn on Kate. She doesn't make it out. They call 911. Styles goes to the hospital. And either, like, you have some severe organ damage that can't be, and that he's not going to make it, or it's like a paralyzation thing where he would survive, but he would be like, paralyzed from like the waist down or the neck down yeah. and um, Talia tells Noah what she is and she offers to bite his son because she feels so guilty about what happened I like that I like that a lot Because if Kate's plan is to get Talia to bite Victoria, and then if she, her, her plan is to keep control of both of them long enough to have Victoria turn and then kill her, say, well, you know, I, I, she, was, she was attacked by an alpha werewolf and I had to kill her. She kills them. She, then she calls down all the rest of the Argents to come in. and Yeah, I'd have to work through the nuance of exactly what Kate's plan is. I think that would work really well that she's well, trying to. The thing is, to... you don't have to give her a really super complicated plan because she's crazy. 
True. <laughs> but she had she 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 was crazy, but she still had plans that that worked. That she was she knew who to bribe and how to bribe, and she had her plans were could be intricate. So while I while I don't think it would necessarily be super intricate, it would be something she'd have to have reason to think would work. And the only, and the element that she wouldn't know that would be the real deciding factor is she doesn't know that Talia and Victoria are, are close. The interesting is I think my POV character would have to be mostly Victoria. Um, Maybe Victoria and Talia. I'm just trying to think of how it could possibly be anybody else. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I don't think the story is as interesting if it's not told from from Victoria's point of view, at least the beginning of it. Because I think I want to write a prologue to show that moment between her and Talia where they meet, and Talia saves her life and allows, and and so Allison doesn't, you know, she doesn't miscarry Allison. And I would think that every day she's got with her daughter, she's reminded that werewolves are not monsters um, or they you know anybody can be a monster so she's got that reminder with her all the time um, well here's another question I mean are you really married to the whole idea of the Wendigo being the um, issue no mm -mm. I just figured it had to be something that Talia saves her from well what if it's another hunter And let's be honest, a vulnerable woman in the woods, even if she is Victoria Argent. Mm. Yeah, true. Point. And that Talia saves her from one of her own. And that would, yeah, that would really highlight the parallel that the monsters aren't always the ones with fangs and claws. What if, oh... What if Talia saves her from Gerard? She's hiding her pregnancy, right? Yeah, I was, I'm thinking at the moment, it's like maybe in um, that, like in canon when she was pregnant, if she'd gotten to a certain point in her pregnancy and it, it told her husband that she was pregnant, that he would have said, you know, okay, you can't hunt. And I think there's a legitimate reason for that, you know, right? Like, because I would think a lot of the supernatural creatures that they go up against out there in the woods um, or wherever could easily cause her to have a miscarriage if she got attacked. Okay, so this is really deeply ugly. But what if Gerard isn't happy that they don't already have a kid to carry on his line? And he decides his son's not getting it done, so he's going to. And of course, she rejects him, and he doesn't take it well. Yeah. And Talia interferes in that. I mean, it's ugly, but I think it fits with his character. And if um, if Talia Hale kills Gerard Argent in the defense of Victoria Argent, Victoria's not going to be willing to share the exact details of that. It wouldn't serve her. It would hurt her husband. Um, it could probably start a civil war. But it would create a really intense bond between Victoria and Talia. And it would bring home to her the fact that not all monsters are werewolves. Or even just supernatural creatures. So how would she cover up the fact about who killed Gerard? 
to work that out in my head because that'd be difficult because if she wants to keep Talia out of it and she doesn't want Chris to know what her father tried to do. Well, if they're in the woods hunting that Wendigo and her and Talia are the only ones left alive to say one way or another what happened to Gerard and she tells oh, Talia yeah. to go. You need to go. Go, go, go. I've got this. Um, and she blames the Wendigo. Who's going to say otherwise? Why would she lie about the death of her own um, father-in-law? True. But she's going to have to explain something to Chris because she may lie to everybody else, but she's going to have to explain something because she's going she's to have a change of heart and Chris is going to know something's different. I mean, she could just, I guess, blame it on the pregnancy. Well, she could say that the Wendigo attacked her and um, Gerard and Talia Hale saved her life, but she wasn't there in time to save Gerard. But if it hadn't been for Talia Hale, that they'd have both died. And what if, by that. what if Talia's already killed the Wendigo? And so she can just bring it there and drop it right That, that, that could be why she's there to begin with, to, um, to kill the Wendigo. Maybe it's too close to her territory. She's been keeping an eye on it. And she doesn't want it near her family. So when they make the claim, so the claim that the Wendigo got Gerard and Talia then killed the Wendigo, um, she could go get it from wherever it was in the woods because maybe she was interrupted. She hears she hears Victoria in distress and goes and saves her. And, and actually, I think that could be a moment where... Um, the Wendigo kill would have to be pretty fresh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would have to be would, like in the middle of killing it or having just killed it. That way the kill isn't too old to be realistic. Yeah. So she's maybe, because she, maybe she's on the hunt too. And she finds out there's hunters in the woods, but she kills, she's in the middle of, she's killed the Wendigo when she hears Victoria in distress and decides to divert. Because she, she planned to kill the Wendigo once she realized there were hunters. She planned to get the hell out of there. Um, but then she hears Victoria in distress, and so she diverts, but the Wendigo hasn't been dead for very long, and so she just goes and gets the body and drops it. And I think there could be this really powerful moment. One of the things Talia Hale was capable of that most werewolves were not was full shift, and Derek eventually mastered it too, um, but she was a very large black wolf. She fully shifted into a black wolf, and I doubt Victoria would have ever seen that. Um, so what if it's a really profound moment for her that Talia shifts as she's leaving into this beautiful, graceful black wolf and then disappears into the night kind of thing? And what if it just, that whole that whole situation, she's got these two monsters, the Wendigo and Gerard, and this, this beautiful, majestic wolf saved her life, and this is what she's been hunting and told to hate all of her life. And it could be a really both the visual and the thing that has happened could really reset her her whole perception about and everything. There's a lot of trauma that she's dealing with there, um, depending on how far you let that go. I mean, even if it's just him knocking her around. Because not only at that moment is she in fear of being sexually assaulted by her own father-in-law, she has to be worried that what he's doing could actually kill the child that she's carrying. Yeah, absolutely. That the more violent the situation becomes, the more likely he is to kill her her baby. Right. Which she didn't tell anybody she was carrying. And and any claims she makes that she's pregnant at that point, Gerard's not going to believe. Um, so I wouldn't let it get very far. It wouldn't be more than a little bit of smacking around. Um, 
because you know me i wouldn't just that's that would i would not write that i wouldn't even write it off screen so no um, no but i mean you kind of want to re represent the threat but not um I mean, I would write it work from I would, I would write that scene from Tiger's point of view, up until the point um, that she basically hits Gerard like like a ton of bricks mm -hmm. to knock him off Victoria. That way, you don't have to deal you know detail that assault, and then you can um, later in the narrative um, have Victoria thinking about what he said to her, what he intended to do how her refusal didn't matter and her having to decide what she was going to tell her husband. Did she, you know, because this would, this would be a deeply painful, ugly thing to reveal to your husband that your father-in-law tried to. So she has to choose between giving her husband this ugly last impression of his father or the impression that, her that his father basically sacrificed himself to protect her and their unborn child which could actually be um victoria could really use that you know she could talk about argent family values and gerard would not have wanted this and she could actually take gerard's memory and make him out to be like saint gerard and um it's some fucking awesome leveraging on her part, and but she is like she, um, she is one of extremes, right? In canon, she's she's very black and white. Very. I think she's cutthroat enough to do that. Yeah, I think she's uh, so I could see her hiding it from Chris, and I think the only reason she'd ever reveal it to him is if there was a moment where, if he ever questioned the bond between Talia and, I don't think that he would. But if but if he but if he knows that Talia was also there to keep the Wendigo from turning on her. And then that story gets spread among the Argents as well, that, that Gerard died defending Victoria and Talia Hale arrived in time to keep that Wendigo from taking out Victoria as well. And that Talia Hale basically avenged Gerard Argent's death. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. So Kate would have to work really hard to destroy that alliance. Which could mean that, you know, the, the hunters, there could be a few, you know, the Gerard's core hunters who know exactly what kind of man Gerard really was and know that whatever Victoria is saying is bullshit. Um, Kate's able to, but I would think it'd be a small number and that, you know, Kate's secretly working with maybe a few behind the scenes, but otherwise Victoria is really able to turn the tides and really leverage the hell out of Gerard's death to get what she wants done to happen. Cause she was pretty, she could be pretty bloody single-minded and bloody minded when she wanted to be in Canon. Um, I mean, they had a Canama that was killing people. Right. And they were supposed she to was be more interested in hunting um, Scott than killing the cannibal. Right. To keep Scott from boning her daughter. It's like, hey, because her, her deal with Scott was like, I told you, keep your keep your dick away from my daughter. And you agree. Well, you know, honestly, in that, I actually don't blame her. I wouldn't want Scott to bone my daughter either. Well. <laughs> Just saying. But Scott wasn't committing mass murder. But anyway. True, um, true. I mean, yeah, she could have handled Scott later. I agree with that. But I also agree that she was right to say that Scott couldn't bone her daughter because he's a piece of shit. 
I agree. I absolutely agree. But the thing is, is that they agreed. Scott and Allison agreed to break up. And Victoria agreed to leave Scott alone. And then she sees them canoodling with one another. And she's like, that's it. You're dead, motherfucker. I mean, that's that's the kind of woman she is, right? It's like, you don't break your deal with me. I don't know who the hell you think you are, but you ain't getting away with this shit. So I could definitely see her because she is very... Um, she had enough, and she has enough conviction that she believed being a werewolf was so wrong that she killed herself. So, I mean, I wouldn't. Clearly, Gerard wasn't like that. I mean, he didn't have any conviction about what he did. He just liked murdering things, right? He was perfectly on board to be turned into a werewolf when, when he thought it would serve him. Exactly. Like, Which oh, is why yeah. I think the idea of him forcing his daughter-in-law to carry his child because he thinks his son's not getting it accomplished. Is something exactly the kind of thing he would do. Yeah. It's exactly the kind of thing he would do. Creepy motherfucker. So that could be an interesting way of dealing with the whole... I mean, it'd be a very different, you know, kind of story. Um... Sometimes the fandom needs something different. True. Whether they know it or not. I, mean, I don't think I've ever read a, a Victoria Argent story. I mean, it might exist, but you know, I always my you know my my base assumption whenever I'm writing anything, even if I think it's unique, is that somebody else has done something similar because there's just too much fan fiction. Are you breaking? Um, um, is your connection dropping because I'm getting a little uh, technical sound on your end? I was getting a little distortion from you earlier, but it went away. I look like I'm pretty clearly connected right now. Okay, um, but if you get it, if you get if you get it again. Let me know. Just can bounce our server if, if it happens again let me know and i'll, I'll bounce our server okay um but i think you guys said i just always assume that someone has has written a victoria argent story before kind of thing but but um you just i you know you just never know right it, it's got there's just so much fan fiction that it's impossible to say if if it's there or not right Oh, Lord have mercy. Styles getting the bite instead of Scott is always a bit a better choice in my mind. Oh, absolutely. If well, one of them one, has to get bitten, you know. One of the things I like about the idea of it's one of the tropes when I first started reading in Teen Wolf, one of the things I really, 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 really like I cannot stress it enough, really wanted to read was Styles is a werewolf and not in an ABO setting, and that's what it all was. It was all fucking ABO. And um, I'm like, no, I don't want that. Um, so there's just not a lot. There's just, there's just not a lot where Styles chooses the bite or is bitten. It's a very, I think, more, and I, you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I tend to go, gravitate towards exploring magical styles over werewolf styles um but i just think there's something interesting about the idea of you know well at first i was just thinking about victoria but i really like the idea of it because it could kind of be like a redemption arc for victoria victoria and talia in a way since implicitly talia was kind of a seemed like to us like she, she was probably kind of a shitty alpha so 
it could be like re, you know, reimagining both of these really strong women um, who, who would have been at war with each other coming together to prevent a lot of really ugly shit. Unfortunately, they can't save Claudia, but because um, she's oh, already... but if they could, yeah, if they could, I can't fix that. Hunter and magic. Yeah, I can't fix everything. Um, I mean, I can't think of a way in this to except to say that there's no accounting for ripples. What if now this happens before Styles? The original ripple start um, happens before Styles is born, or just as Styles is being born. So Claudia is still alive. What if a more on-point Talia? notices something what if claudia is um is connected to the nematon what if she is kind of some kind of dryad or something um and her connection to the hail land is really important and talia is paying attention and she notices the taint before it infects claudia and kills her so there could be a way to save claudia and all this yeah Is this my head cannon that um what's his name? Noah? The druid. Oh, Deaton. Alan Deaton. It's my head cannon that Deaton poisoned the Nematon. Oh, me too. I just don't understand how the Nematon went to shit and got cut down with a druid nearby. It's just I mean, what do I mean, doesn't everybody associate druids with trees? I mean it's a cliche, but isn't that what everybody thinks? It's just I mean and what if what if Claudia is a dryad and what if he killed the Nematon to kill her? Because she was the central focus of the magic in the in the region and he wanted that magic for himself. He was but she was interfering home. with that. Yeah. And it was with Talia more regionally focused about keeping her territory strong. And um, they have all these plans for unification and working together. She needs to keep her pack strong. She needs to keep her land clean. She notices it. And she reaches out to Claudia and she says, hey, um, something's up with the Nimiton. <laughs> what if? Call and help. <laughs> I have an idea. What if it's not? What if Claudia? Because what if it's my head can that Claudia got sick pretty quickly once Deaton poisoned the nematon? Mm -hmm. What if? What if Claudia? What if? What if Talia notices the poisoning, and she calls in? If she doesn't know, she doesn't know what that effect. And so she doesn't know that Claudia is the person she's going to be saving. But what if she calls? She uh, she talks to Deaton, and she's not satisfied with his answer because, like you said, she's more on point. What if she calls in a, 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 a different magic user to cleanse the Nematon and all of a sudden Claudia gets better and she shows up where the Nematon is being cleansed because she goes back to her tree. The first thing she does, because I would imagine if her life is in jeopardy and she's not being confused by this poison, the first thing she'd have to do is go back to her tree. And so this dryad shows up at her tree and it's Claudia. And like you could do no, a you could do a tiny a tiny little Easter egg crossover and have it be one of the ants from Practical Magic. Oh, that'd be cute. <laughs> that'd Girl be power. Cute. Girl yeah. power. This dude isn't giving her what she wants, so she calls in the ants. <laughs> so I have a little problem. Do you guys mind a little plane trip to California? 
I'll reimburse you. <laughs> so Talia is very joined to her territory. She's very connected to her territory. I could actually do this episodically in a way. Um, Talia is very connected opens to her you territory. up. It uh, opens you up for, for POVs. Yeah. And it would also let you continue the series. Um, and maybe even do one in Styles' point of view. For like when his mom is getting sick. And then um, maybe that situation where he kind of like associates the Hales with making his mom better kind of fuels his little crush on Derek. Yeah, that could work. Because what if, but what if it's, what if Talia, because um, Talia is very tied to her territory because she's the alpha. And I would imagine the alpha at a territory like to preserve, which is my headcanon, which where you've got the Nemeton, she's probably very tied to her territory. Mm -hmm. And so maybe what she does when she doesn't get a satisfactory answer from Deaton is she calls Victoria and she says, the Nem they're we're talking about, you know, our druids advised us to cut down the Nemeton because it's, it's ill and victoria goes whoa 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 second opinion <laughs> <laughs> we need a second opinion because if victoria, I know some ladies <laughs> yeah because if victoria has been doing if she's been building the community the hunter community the supernatural community she's been moving around she's very powerful she could have made a lot of contacts that talia might not have been able to make as many because she's got contact with them werewolves and stuff. And I would imagine Peter's got a lot of contacts, but I would think Victoria really would have contacts in the magical community. And she could, and when they talk about, and Victoria may understand better than Talia does what cutting down the Nemeton could mean. And she'd be like, now, wait a minute, let's get a second opinion on that. <laughs> hold your, hold your horses. And so the, the ants show up and they cleanse the Nemeton and all of a sudden the dryad appears. And she's like, okay, what the fuck happened? What happened to my tree? What's going on? And they figure out what's going on that saves Claudia. In the meantime, Noah's wondering where the fuck his wife is because she disappeared from the hospital. She's just gone. I mean, they don't, they didn't like catch it on film or anything, but he's looking for his wife because he gets a call from the hospital that she's missing. I love this idea. All the girl power. All of it. <laughs> but all if you didn't want to use the ants, which has so much appeal because they're so... Um, they're, they're, they're such beautiful characters. Um, you could use your OC. Um, that really, the that really, really powerful magical user in your other story. What's his name? Booker? Booker St. John, yeah. Yeah. Who, who started off as... <laughs> that was such a funny thing because... I named him Devin St. James, right? And I kept looking at it and I wrote the whole story as Devin St. James. And I went, why is this name familiar to me? Why do I know that name? And um, I did some Googling for the name and nothing. And finally my own site popped and I was like, what? And so I Googled on my own site. I have an OC named Devin St. James. So I was like, <laughs> that's well, when you realize you need a database of all your OC characters so that you don't do that. Yeah, so it was my own OC. And I was like, but the thing is, I was very attached to the rhythm of that name. And so I switched it to St. John, but I, I got to find something that's not Devin. And and then he, but he's like 100 years old, even though he looks like he's 30. Um, and so I was I mean, like, he was booming. Yeah, but I was like, what? So I was looking for names and I was like, I need a name that was popular about 100 years ago, um, but that has the kind of swag that Lenny Kravitz has. So what could that be? What could that be? Well, Booker work like that's, like gangbusters. I was like, so yeah. that's that's where Booker St. John came in. So yeah, I could have Booker do it. Um, but if you want to lean into that whole girl power thing, you get one of the ants to do it, um, or both of them. I imagine they don't often travel, but when they do, they travel together. Yeah, I would. It would. I. I definitely want to use both of them. 
When does this take place? Um, this would have been if it's a when Talia died, she died when Styles was eight, so it would have been that event. That event would have been. Uh, I may get make it my timeline creator open. Practical Magic came out in 1998, so it would be depending on the year. Sally may or may not be living with them at the time. A E O N. Did you see that we're going to get a prequel Practical Magic series on one of the? Are we? What the hell is this showtime? One of the places. Okay, I have my I have my master timeline for Teen Wolf in. Um, so I have Styles being born in ninety three. So if he's eight years old, it would be two thousand and one. So that means that both sisters would be so all four Owens, witches would be in the household. So you could have it be Sally and Gillian who show up, or the aunts. The ants are more entertaining. The ants are very much more entertaining. I'm all in on the ants. You know, when you first said ants, from you said ants, and I thought you said ants, and then you said practical magic, and my brain went, huh? Oh, the ants. <laughs> I'm like, because I can, I can get so stuck on something when I think I've heard it, that I was like, <laughs> there were ants in practical magic? <laughs> No, there were no it depends ants. on what you think of the ants. <laughs> yeah, I do like I do like the idea of the girl power, and then and then um, Claudia survives because then she's around and she's she's a huge magical force, um, and she could be very grouchy if all these shenanigans later, you know, in a later episode result in her her baby boy getting you know shot in the back, which is what oh, I think would she happen. She would be livid. Of course. Meanwhile, she's had to confess to her husband um, that she's a dry, that she's a tree, and you know, and that I could have whole, a whole moment where Noah's like, "My wife's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's a tree," and she's like, "But I just think of it. I loved you so much. I left my tree, and it almost got you killed. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we need to be protecting this tree a little better than we have been in the past with a very pointed look at Taya is direction. I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. I'm, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, so I'm thinking it would be um, a few, like somewhere between five and six episodes. And I would have the second to the last episode be where um, like Styles gets shot and bit and then have the last episode be kind of like that falling action episode where he's adjusting to pack life and blah, 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 blah. Um, at least for the first arc. Um, because, yeah, I think that would be really good because if I did it episodically, I could get a couple, you know, get the first couple episodes written and then just work on it whenever it strikes my fancy. Um, work on the next episode. But I think it was an interesting angle that you know, I haven't seen explored as like Victoria being different because I mean, rightfully so fandom really hates on her. Yeah. Um, but it also would give Chris an opportunity to be a better person. Um, I think that could be, 
But I really, I really think it'd be a really powerful moment when Kate tries to deliver that ultimatum for Talia, I'll kill your son if you don't bite Victoria. And Victoria just offers to be bitten. She's like, then bite me. Then bite me. That's fine. Don't, don't risk your son to try to... Kate wouldn't even know what to do with that. Yeah, she's like, there's no decision here. You just go ahead and bite me. Now, I wouldn't want Victoria to actually be bitten because regardless of what power she's she's built up, um, she um, I think it would displace her. Yeah, if she if she were a werewolf, and I want her to stay the head of the the head of the hunters. So, yeah, and I really like the idea that it could be do good things for Chris too, because it, I think it could he could feel if he feels that the code is being taken seriously and he's out from under his father's thumb and he's happy and he feels like that. And maybe he's got werewolf friends even because I would imagine that one of the things Victoria realizes early on is that having werewolf backup is a really good idea when you're hunting some of these creatures. I wouldn't want, I mean, the way they describe some of these creatures in canon, whether it's supernatural canon or it's Teen Wolf canon, I wouldn't want to go up with them with just a gun and, and some electricity. That would suck. <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem like they're a little underprepared for their circumstances. I'd be like, oh, you want me to hunt a what with a what? I'm not doing that. I mean, like a revenant or, you know, I mean, like an actual zombie? Um, No. Or, you know, the Wendigo freaks me out. I'm like, no. Um, That was one of the first... Wendigo eats people, so, yeah... One of the first episodes of Supernatural dealt with the Wendigo, and uh, it 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 always stuck with me because they were supposed to be so hard to kill. And I was like, well, if they're so hard to kill, why aren't they going out there with just a gun? You know, it's like, why don't they have a bazooka? I'd want a bazooka. <laughs> I'm totally for the rocket, you know, propelled grenades here. All right, I got now. I got to have a title for the series. I can't call it Girl Power. Uh, <laughs> well, you could, but um, I'm already looking at quotes trying to find something because <laughs> like, that is our jam. So, uh, if I because if I get girl power stuck in my head as a working title, I'm gonna be fucked. So I just need to not do that. Whenever you see a successful woman, look out for the three men who are going to go out of their way to. To try to block her. Probably <laughs> not appropriate for the story, but very amusing. amusing. Yes. Some women choose to follow men and some choose to follow their dreams. If you're wondering which way to go, remember that your career will never wake up and tell you that it doesn't love you anymore. Ouch. Lady Gaga. Trying to think of what so the themes of this the thematic elements in this are about there's a change in perspective um, happening for Victoria. Um, I mean, really, that it's exploring the idea of one person, one person positioned correctly to seeing things differently can change the world, right? Uh, <laughs> You may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. Maya Angelou. 
I like that regardless. I'm going to paste that off into a file. She has great quotes, you know. We delight mm -hmm. in the beauty of the butterfly, but rarely admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty. I've heard that one before, but it always strikes me. Oh, I've learned that whenever I decide something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I could call it the open heart. That's a possibility. <laughs> if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. <laughs> That's what happens to Victoria. <laughs> she changes her attitude. Once you figure out what respect tastes like, it tastes better than attention. There's a lot of people in the world that need that quote. Who said that? Pink. Mm. Yes, yeah, sent, sent me. Can you pop that into? I didn't catch that fast enough to. So that would, could be. The, so if I were to derive something from that, it could be like the taste of respect or something. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. A woman must do what he can't. <laughs> this is another Maya quote if I've learned that even when I have pains I don't have to be one <laughs> preach sister you educate a man you educate a man you educate a woman you educate a generation word who's that Brigham Young. Really? Without courage, we cannot practice any other virtue with consistency. We can't be kind, true, merciful, generous, or honest. As a woman, I have no country. As a woman, I want no country. As a woman, my country is the whole world. Oh, I just think I found my title. Okay. A wise, a wise woman, I'll call it a wise woman. A wise woman wishes to be no one's enemy. A wise woman refuses to be anyone's victim. Oh, I dig it. And here you go. Here's our anthem, Kara, from Maya, <laughs> Maya herself. You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. Agreed. Oh, she's such, I mean, she's a man. I'm sitting here breathing just her quotes. Life is not measured by the number of breaths you take, but by the moments that take your breath away. She was a breathtaking woman. We are less for her not being among us anymore. If one is lucky, a solitary fantasy can transform one million realities. Hate. It has caused a lot of problems in the world, but has not solved one yet. It would be that's also a good thematic quote for what I'm writing. But um, there's not really. I don't think there's a really way good way to derive a title from that. No. Marley is thinking about. No, that's not for this 
conversation. <laughs> you tell me after we go. But anyway, so I thought this was this was very helpful because it's just it's it's sometimes when you know you know this is like sometimes when you're like in your head and you've got like too many different possible directions, especially when you're looking at ripples that ripple out over the course of like twenty years. Well, in this case, more like sixteen to six well 17 i guess so you got 17 years of ripples to figure out and assuming you're gonna wind up in any fashion anywhere near where canon was it starts to become really like uh that seems really improbable um possible but improbable and so i there's like all these different directions i could go and it's really hard to you know bounce against a wall <laughs> well for me I like to pick a trajectory that makes sense to me in the very beginning and follow it. Um, and always, if I have a choice between um, driving my plot with external motivations or driving it with internal motivations, I much prefer internal. I want my character to go on a journey. And you've definitely given Victoria a really big journey. I also like to see a moment with Victoria after she gives birth and she's holding um, Allison for the first time. She sees um, the true gift that Talia has given her. Yeah. I think that'd be really, really powerful because I think that I think she needs to have these startling moments, the these just really big moments that really because there are moments in your life that adjust your worldview, and she really needs those moments. And I think that Allison could be one of them, the first time she holds her. Um, that could be the end of the well. Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, I guess episodically you could do a skip, um, a time skip to the last scene of an episode. Um, where you know it goes from her, from the woods, where be the climax, and then that that last scene with with um, her holding Allison would be the falling action. And it could be six, seven months later, depending on how pregnant she was in the woods. Yeah, and it would also bring home the point for Chris Argent because he would not have his wife or his child in this moment if it wasn't for Talia Hale. Yeah. And she could, they could just look at each other and she could say, we have to do things differently. And he could just agree. Yeah, we do. It has to be, it has to be different. We can't go on like we've, we've gone on. So you have your series name. You'll have to think about your plot for your, and then um, develop your, um, your episode names. Yeah, I've got kind of a, um, obviously an overarching, um, I think the overall arc is a little bit, it's pretty cemented in my head. It's just a matter of, you know, what, what do I want to zoom in on any, my, actually, I think my only big question right now is between, you know, the, the, yeah, I'd have to, if I'm doing it episodically, I need to figure out how to break up those events in Beacon Hills. I think that the first episode will obviously be about Victoria and Talia in the woods and then end with Allison's birth. And then your second episode, um, you could do a time skip. Um, I think maybe something that focuses on that second episode just goes a little bit forward in time, like a few years. 
because I, I think I'd want something to kind of bridge because there's going to be a lot of changes in in 10 or 11 years. And which, because the story would really, you know, the, the meat of that big arc would happen like 11 years in the future. So. You could have a moment where maybe a hunter um, clan or family or is, is disagreeing with Victoria's trajectory. And um, she can point out, okay, you can but you're fair game. That's what we agreed on. That's what our treaty with the wolf says. If you go off the rails, you're fair game. But moreover, motherfucker, if you go off the rails, I'm not financing you. Yeah. Good so it luck could be eating and having some place to live without my money. Because they don't seem to have jobs, which means somebody's get f funding them, and it has to be urgent money, right? Yeah. Well, there's. I think there's multiple hunter clans. So, um, if she's working with all of them, yeah. I mean, but I, I it's my head can the urgents are the richest. So, they probably do a lot to contribute to funding hunting activities in general, and, and maybe that her her decision is I'm only going to fund ethical hunting activities. You, you're, and that I think we want to do that. I'd want her to have done redone the code, which is so that whole we hunt those who hunt us stuff. It'd be that what it was what uh, to parallel what Allison ultimately made it be, which was you know we protect those who cannot protect themselves. Um, And that could be something she could say to them and say, you know, if it, if I have to protect peaceful werewolves against you, I will. So I can't, you've done nothing at this point to make me go after you. But if, if a werewolf clan, if werewolf pack calls me for assistance against you and their territory, they're going to get it, not you. So behave yourself. Um, and she could be, and actually it could, she could wind up having to deal with a lot of, you know, maybe more than one or two hunters who, who do basically go rouge, um, the rouge hunters, and she she deals with them ruthlessly, and it maybe gains her a lot of respect again amongst the older hunting families that she isn't going to put up with any shit. Well, there could be older families that are really put off by Gerard's direction, and are kind of in the background, um, and Victoria, you know. When she married Chris, she became the head of the family because she's the matriarch. And maybe Gerard had been kind of been going off the rails in between the death of his wife and his oldest son marrying and providing them with a new matriarch. Yeah. And so maybe, then mate and then maybe show the ripple into Beacon Hills, you know, do the do scenes, kind of go back and forth between Talia and Victoria, where we see the changes Victoria's putting in and then flip to Talia's side of it and show how that has affected her, which is there's been a lot less disruption in her territory. Things are more peaceful. Things are calmer. That kind of thing. And then the third episode could be about Claudia. Um, where they get in touch with each other and she says, look, I, I got this. We got a, we got a sick nematon. Um, what do I do? And make it be about saving Claudia. And the druid wants me to cut it down. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, number one, what druid? <laughs> because that's yeah. dumb advice. And two, let me call around. 
Druid, Druid telling you to cut down a nematon sounds suspicious on the face of it. So, no. I don't care how sick it is. Um, and then she could, um, and then the fourth episode could be about Kate trying to get rid of Victoria. And then the fifth episode would be, I think a five episode arc feels like it could be good. Um, and then the fifth episode would be the, the, you know, post styles is bitten. He's figuring out how to be a werewolf kind of thing. And I'd probably want to do something with magical werewolf. Like what happens when a spark becomes a werewolf? Spark wolf. <laughs> I think it would do something. And I think I want it to do something. I just got to figure out what. Because most of my, most of my stories, it's my headcanon that a um, spark can't be even turned at all. They would just throw it off like a banshee does. Um, but I'd want to do something different with this because I really do want to explore the idea of Styles being a werewolf. At least somewhat, even if I don't explore it. Like, But I, on the other hand, it could be like a, a, a launching point for a second round of episodes. I mean, yeah, if you do it in episodes, you can add an episode whenever you feel like it. <laughs> and nobody gets to say other... Well, they, they can say what they want, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, that's like shut up. I don't want to talk to you. I yeah, posted I, that link to the thing on Facebook. It's about Instapot. Mar Marla's looking at um Instapots, and I know you're a big Instapot fan, so I do like me an Instapot. I have I have some struggles with mine sometimes, but I think it's just the model I bought because I've read other people who have this model who have the problem I have. So my issue with the Instapot is I forget about it. I don't forget about it. Um, it's 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 that's right in my eyeline when I'm watching TV or using my computer. But the problem with it is, is that if I the things I really wanted to do with it was I really liked the built-in saute function, like you can saute and brown your meats and stuff, and then put all your other ingredients in and the liquids in, throw the cover on it, and um, um, and put it in the pressure cooker mode and, and then get your meat really tender. And I really liked that. Right. So we tried making pot roast in it where we browned all sides of the roast and that saute function. So one pot cooking, right? No, this one, if you ever try to go from that saute mode without letting it cool down for at least 10 or 15 minutes into the pressure cooking mode, it just always overheats. It just overheats constantly. And um, it's just so tedious trying to get it to work. So, and I've read other people who have the same exact issue with this particular model. So I think that, I, mean, I don't know why you're supposed to be able to do that, but I have to let it cool off in order to use the pressure cooker mode. And I think that that kind of isn't optimal, you know, to brown your meat and then let it just sit there. Mm -hmm. But what do I know? It's probably not hurting it any. It just really irritates me that I have that, you know, to account for this. Because we made this really good dish once. It was this orange chicken dish. Sort, sort of orange chicken. Not exactly orange chicken, but sort of orange chicken. It was really spicy, really good. Lots of ginger. And um, you brown the chicken, the like little chicken cubes. You cube chicken, brown little chicken cubes. And um, and then you throw all of the stuff in, including quinoa. And so it's cooking. The quinoa is cooking in, in with the chicken and stuff. Except... It took me so long to, to deal with this overheating thing and get it to finally go into the pressure cooking mode. It would have been faster to cook that on the stovetop. Way faster. And that's just, I mean, who uses a pressure cooker for it to take longer? Right. That's just crazy cakes. 
for making rice, that's certainly not a problem for that, right? That's just, that's a very distinct series of events that, but yeah, it's great for making rice. Okay, so I think I've got a good episode arc. I don't know why this popped into my brain as I need to do that, but I felt like I really needed to do it. I think it will be a good one. It will be interesting in a different perspective because Teen Wolf is often, is often so testosterone-driven. It True, true. It is uh, another big And even fact. if you eventually kind of delve into um, a Styles and Derek arc, it will be, you know, later. And um, it would be really interesting to see them both influenced by powerful women. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things I could show to be the ramifications of the impact it's having on Talia is that she's having less threats to her territory. So she's focusing more on her pack and maybe seeing more of what's going on with her children and noticing things more. And um, maybe she does see that Laura is not really a good fit for Alpha, even though she thought she was, because maybe she just thought, maybe she confused strong personality with um, suitability to be Alpha. And maybe Peter has always tried to tell her that. And so she, maybe, maybe it makes the relationship between Peter and Talia a little bit better because she listens to him and she talks to him. And, um, then I just need to decide if I want her to like focus on Derek as the alpha as her, her successor or maybe have it be Cora. I've read one story where Cora, Cora eventually became the Hale alpha. Um, they didn't really explore Cora as the alpha very much. And I don't really have a good beat on Cora at all. She was kind of a, since, since she entered the show, you know, definitely in, in this in season that I don't not interested in writing, much less you know doing any research in. But it really doesn't really matter what she turned into there, because True. this Cora won't have been abandoned. This Cora will not have survived the annihilation of her entire family. Um, so Cora, this Cora is a blank slate for you. Yeah, you can do anything you want with her. Yeah, and maybe and maybe I can. You know, and honestly. Laura is young enough that you could shape her too. True, but I'm thinking that will Laura probably be pushing when everything goes down. Laura would probably be pushing. She'd be closer to adult, but I could have it be that Peter and her talk and say, "Look, you just you you're focusing on one kid to be your successor, and you need to train them all because you don't know what might happen. You don't know who it might be, and." And you don't know who's going to be suitable to be right now. He could say right now, it doesn't look like Laura to me is suitable to be the alpha, but she might be in time. What, what, what if it, it, yeah, you talked earlier about the alpha spark for the Hale family being like a, like a gift from the land, basically. Mm -hmm. um, what if the alpha spark is really sentient and this Talia who's more settled um, is actually pays attention to what the alpha spark is telling her. Oh, that could be interesting. Because it's also it's also my headcanon, and it's something I haven't explored on screen. Although I I do believe it to be in the sequel to Unobstructed Views, this will be directly discussed. Is that an alpha should be able to tell who will reject the bite and who won't, and that um, and I do believe that the spark communicates that to them in some fashion. That like the reason why that the alpha that they should I feel like they should know that it. it it shouldn't be just this, oh, we're going to get teenagers because they're more likely. That just doesn't make sense to me. So um, the shaman that I wrote created for that story, she's going to, um, Dorit, she's going to 
um, tell Derek at some point, listen to your spark. It knows if you can turn somebody. So he's going to, she's going to say, do you feel like that you can turn Noah? And Derek's going to go, yes. He's just going to go, okay, yes. My gut says yes. And he says, what about styles? And Derek, my, my gut says no. And she said, that would be correct. Because since she's a shaman, she has, you know, insight into this kind of thing. And she can tell that, you know, she knows this styles absolutely cannot be turned into a werewolf um, but he wouldn't reject the bite either but no it could but other people you know she said your, your spark tells you you just don't listen and people have forgotten how to listen to their spark so that could come up in some fashion is that you know he she starts learning to listen to her spark and maybe even um consults with um claudia could explain it to her and say your spark knows who can be a who can be a wolf and who cannot it absolutely knows. Or more likely, um, it also, maybe particularly with the hail spark, because it's like maybe a really old spark, that it knows who and and who can't handle the power of the hail spark. Mm -hmm. And maybe and, and maybe Laura isn't a problem until she has the hail spark. And maybe, yeah, maybe the part, maybe, maybe, and it also could be the pressure her mother put on her grooming her to be the next alpha could have also been part of the problem. And it could be that, you know, she realizes that she needs to just teach all of her children how that they might have to lead someday that any of them, that the spark was going to, she's, she's going to let spark goes where it wants. And so they all need to be prepared to lead and they also all need to be prepared to follow. Because the spark makes the decision. And so I'm going to teach you all how to lead and I'm going to teach you all how to be good pack members. And that should take some of the pressure off Laura. And, um, you know, but Talia's not going to die. So, you know, if Derek's going to become an alpha, it's going to happen another way. I mean, I guess it depends on what, you know, what your goal for Derek is. I mean, if you just want Derek to have this, you know, to go off to school and, to get a degree and, you know, um, get a styles, <laughs> get a styles, adopt some babies. <laughs> what is your goal? I mean, I, the thing about Derek, Derek's an interesting one because I do think I could see in Canon that they really were trying to position it, that he was really more suited to be a beta, but I really like fixing that element of it and giving Derek the opportunity to be a good alpha. It's, it's my favorite thing, right? Is I want him to be able to be a good alpha. And this, th that isn't really the, the, the direction this story would be going, but I would still like to at least lay the foundation that he could be a good alpha and give him the breathe that breathing room that, you know, if, if, if a werewolf, you know, if he ever had to defend himself against a crazy alpha that he wouldn't, that he would be well well positioned to become a good alpha if he inherit if you know if he got an, somebody else's alpha spark. Although I really am also very attached to the idea of him getting, having the hail alpha spark. So, um, you know, it's just it's so. But I just so I don't know that I would go there in this story since Talia is living, and I don't I don't have any plan to kill her. Uh, but I like the idea of her having kind of an epiphany that she needs to let the spark choose who the her, who the successor will be when the time comes. Um, she could even feel the time that it's leaning away from Laura. And it could just be that she's been putting too much pressure on Laura as the next future alpha. And then she's at the moment where she sits her kids down and says, hey, what do you want? 
What's on your agenda? Where do you want to go to school? What do you want to study? Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Where do you see yourself on the day that you bury me? This is the moment that every kid has. You know, where do you see yourself um, the day you lose a parent? Um, and I think that that would be, you know, a moment where Laura, who might associate being alpha with power and being in charge, but not, but not associate being alpha with the death of her mother. To give, you know, some more context. Yeah. Because she's young. And that could be a thing that Talia points out to her. is like, you know, you could be if, if things go well and you wind up becoming the alpha. It could be when, you know, you're 40 years old. You know, I decide to pass it on because it's time for me to retire and go take your dad to the Bahamas. But, you know, what if... It could also be because I'm dead. Yeah, but what, what happens if I die tomorrow? Are you ready? Is that what you want? What do you want? And she could even be honest with her daughter and say, because... The, the the family spark doesn't feel like it would be you tomorrow. I mean, what do you what do you think? And she could just be straight and say, "Hey, if it's tomorrow, you need to give it to Uncle Peter because I want to go to college. I don't I don't want anything to happen." To you, <laughs> I got plans. I got a dude. <laughs> she and she could it could be a moment for she's like, "What? No, no, uh, uh-uh. no. I don't want to be alpha right now. I mean, maybe someday, Mom. But I was thinking like in forty years, not now." And she could just ask, no, no, really, what if it was now? And she could say, then give it to Uncle Peter. <laughs> I mean, he's I an know, We can all agree that Peter doesn't need the alpha spark. <laughs> well, Laura could be like... Because it's Cora saying that. Cora could be like, okay, no, wait, pause. We can all agree that Uncle Peter doesn't need the spark. <laughs> no. Uh, but and, 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 you know, and Laura could be like, you know, Peter's an asshole, but he'd take care of us, right? He'd take care of the pack. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> better than I would I just want to go to college <laughs> I want to I want to have a normal life for a while I, I don't want to be I don't want to be responsible and I do think and I I think it was a very bad time in Laura's life for to be but I actually still even though I think she was young and she was scared her can't her events in canon the, the, her it's actions terrible. in canon it was atrocious it was like Jesus why why would she do that Oh, really? The Nike ad won for um, Colin Kaepernick's ad. Nike ad won Emmy. Wow. Yeah, I just I, I just shared that on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I just I just opened Facebook and I saw it right at the top of my feed. <laughs> as where your posts usually go. So, but yeah, I think this is a really good idea. It's all about girl power and girl strength. And you could actually pick a quote from famous women about strength and power to put at the top of each episode. That plays to your theme about perspectives, about because um, it's really the, this whole thing is about perspectives. Because once Victoria's perspective changes, it kind of ripples out, and it will impact um, Claudia. It will impact um, Talia. It'll impact Styles, and it'll it, you know it'll it'll have huge impact. How? What is the deal with Peter? And the kid he didn't know about. 
So when Peter, I, I think my impression, I'd have to double check the wiki, but my impression is that Peter was about 16 or so. He had uh, some sort of sexual encounter with um, Corrine, something or the other, um, who later became called the Desert Wolf. And uh, she's basically, a the Calaveras has been hunting her because she's very violent. Um let me look up about her. Um, but anyway, so Talia, Corrine had the baby. Um, she's a she's a, she's a were coyote. I don't know why she's called the desert wolf when she's a were coyote, but whatever. So Corrine was sexually involved with Peter Hale and became pregnant. Knowing that she could lose much of her supernatural abilities to her offspring, she wanted to end the pregnancy, but was talked out of it by Talia Hale. Talia took the baby from her immediately after the birth, avoiding the possibility that Corrine would try to take back her power by killing the child. After Malia was adopted and with much of her power gone, Corrine became proficient with firearms and other weapons. She became an assassin and mercenary feared for her ferocity. Nine years later, Corrine returned to Beacon Hills and tried unsuccessfully to kill Malia by shooting at the car she was riding in with her adopted family. This incident caused Malia to transform and kill her adoptive mother and sister. Unbeknownst to Corrine, Malia survived. Peter thought fleetingly about hiring her to kill the supernatural population of Beacon Hills while in his post-fire coma. The U.S. Marshal Service assigned Braden to track Corrine down. She was unsuccessful, and her obsession with the task seemed to end her government career. Um, but the thing is, Talia took the memory of Corrine and Malia from Peter. So Peter had no recollection of her. use of alpha power. Yeah. Um, if they they introduce this idea that if a, if an alpha puts their claws on the right part of someone's neck, they can actually take selected memories away because the, apparently the claws of an alpha are very powerful. Anyway, the the and those memories I guess stay in the claws. So Talia's claws were preserved. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know how they make all that make sense considering how Talia died. But anyway, um, then. The thing is, the setup for Peter having a secret baby, it was going to be Jackson. It was for Jackson. It was pretty clear that the secret baby was going to be Jackson. Uh, but the actor wanted to leave the show and go work on Arrow. I think you should go back to that and, and focus on the Jackson arc. Um, I think it's egregious. I mean, I understand why, as a, as a young man, that Talia might have blunted those memories for him to make it easier for him to deal with the adoption of his child. Um, but as an adult, her keeping his child from him is obscene. So I think she needs to have a moment of her of her own, like a little come to Jesus moment, um, where she realizes that she seriously wronged Peter. And considering that, well, this all would have gone down around the same time as she saved um, this all would have gone down around the same time as she saved uh, <laughs> um, Victoria, right? Because Jackson's basically the same same age. He's a little bit younger. The old uh, Allison actually was was older than all the others. So Allison, Allison and Styles would be the same age, and they're about a year older than everyone else. So maybe um, this moment in the woods with Victoria changes um, Tiger's perspective too, and Peter doesn't lose his first kid. 
Maybe she lets him keep Jackson. Oh, that'd be interesting. So Peter is... Yeah. Which means that they would probably have to take that coyote bitch out. Because I, I what that she had her, you know, she she did the adoption to hide the baby, right? To protect the baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, to hide the baby, and yeah, and still, Corrine so still eventually figured out who where she was. So, the better bet would be to work with Victoria to neutralize. Is this Coyote woman a grown woman? Yeah. What is it with this dude and this creator with having women? Older women seducing teenage boys, dude. I, right? I I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. I th I also think that would actually make her hyper focused on protecting Derek from falling victim to to such a thing. It should have. It should have. It should absolutely should. It's just it's just such a bizarre little thing. Uh, and the thing is, I don't even know. This, and this this was where they retconned Peter's age, right? Because they then made Peter at least sixteen years older than than um. This is what this is what people can't figure out how anybody old anybody is. Because Pe initially Peter was supposed to be something like. I don't know, like seven or eight years younger. I mean, seven, like seven years older than Derek, and Derek was like four years older than the teenagers, which would have made Peter eleven years older than the teenagers. But then all of a sudden, based upon this timeline, if Peter's having a baby around the time these sixteen-year-olds are being born, that means Peter's implicitly sixteen years older than them, right? Mm -hmm. Not eleven years older than them. So that's why nobody can work out how old these people are. I would, I would actually. It, it's a ripple that makes sense that she would kind of have a different perspective coming into that situation where she actually gives Peter a choice about what happens to his child. And if Peter chooses to keep his child, then, uh, then, they need, then she needs to go to Victoria and outline what a problem this coyote woman is and they need to take her down. Well, the interesting thing to me about the whole plot line with Corrine is why, with someone that callous, right, who planned to murder her own child, how did Talia talk her out of uh, having an abortion? abortion? I don't understand that. I don't, it makes no sense that this woman, they had to, money. They, they were, I money. guess, I guess. She paid her not to get an abortion, and the woman probably took the money. On the assumption that she could kill the kid later. Yeah, and Talia could be like, I'm having none of that. Paid you, give me the baby. And that could be what she talks, and she could be afraid. She could talk to um, Victoria about it and say, you know, Peter's only 16, and this, you know, grown ass woman is pregnant with his, with, with a hail. Um, and she's a vicious killer. Now I'm bribing her not to have an abortion, but I just, I don't know that I can successfully hide this kid from her. And Victoria could be like, I got it covered. Don't, don't give that kid up. And actually Victoria could just be kind of lying in wait there in the background, waiting to see if Corrine misbehaves. And, and of course, if Taya, if Taya doesn't hide the baby, if she gives the baby to Peter and lets Peter keep his son, um, 
or daughter if you want to go that route. I think the Jackson angle is a little more fun, personally. I do. T- I um, do too. But uh, then um, the first time this bitch acts, Victoria can take her out. And that further solidifies her relationship with Talia. And I think Victoria would act really swiftly because, um, you know, the whole baby thing. Yeah, because it's a baby. Yeah. So she could be waiting to see if Corrine's going to do anything. And when Corrine wants want to clear Corrine plans to kill the baby, she's like, yeah, I don't think so. But they, but she could also just be mortally offended. Why are you, you're a grown-ass woman. Why are you banging a 16-year-old? What is the matter with you? And actually, I think he was probably 15. When, Probably when when the baby was created, absolutely. Yeah, so it's like, what are you doing banging that kid? What is the matter with you? What was she doing banging the kid? What was her know. purpose? I'd have to ask someone who, who actually watched all the episodes if any of that was ever explained, why she was fucking somebody that age. I mean, is she just a predator? Or did was there some purpose to her getting pregnant with a Hale's baby? <laughs> Did it increase her power? Well, it couldn't have increased her power if having a child was going to take her power away. uh, But maybe it was about creating the child that was more powerful and then absorbing the power of that child by killing it. So you think maybe that was her her plan all along, was to always absorb the child's power. Yeah. Ugh, cold. Cold. So I'll have to do some research. But it gives about- you a really direct mirror between her and Victoria and her and Talia. You know, that the, the whole motherhood angle and, and how they both, re- you know, how these two women view motherhood and how this woman views motherhood. Um, and then how Claudia, you know, so the exploration of sisterhood and motherhood and strength and perspective and power, you know, cooperation. Okay, I like that because I, I do like the idea of it being Jackson. I do think that's a little bit more interesting than because it was clear that's the direction they were headed in the show. Um, but they just didn't go. Well, they I, they couldn't. They kept, couldn't make that actor want to stay. Um, and they had put him. I, I imagine they put him through the ringers, including he in the finale of season two. He was he was stark staring naked. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was it was clear that he was naked. He was in profile, but it was clear he was completely nude. Some clever leg angles kept him from uh, flashing the whole world all of his bits. You know, a young man that age is probably not all that fussed to be naked in front of a whole bunch of people. He's probably not. But some of the some of the some of the stuff with the cannibal, I can't imagine that was actually fun acting. It didn't look like it was very fun. We're going to put you in a lizard suit and hang you from the ceiling. Oh, all right. Look like you belong up there. Okay, sure. Why not? I mean, did they actually use him or was it like a stuntman? I think it, it looked like it was actually him. Because, I mean, but it, it could have been it could have been a stuntman. But it did look like it was actually him. So, it's a little hard to tell. A lot of times insurance won't act, actually allow them to use the actor, the actual actor to do that. You'd stuff. think, but then like Dylan, Bryan, Dylan, Dylan O'Brien on the set of a major movie, like, Nearly gets himself killed doing a stunt. Yeah. He he threw some shade at the at the at that in one of his interviews about that next movie he did. Well, he was talking about how safe everything was, how they took you know how they took you know 
safety of all the actors very seriously. And it was, it was subtle, but it was really clear that <laughs> what he was talking about, because he talked about what a different experience it was from what he'd done before. And it was like, uh -huh. he was a little bitter about his previous. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame him for being bitter. I mean, he nearly died. So. Also, I think it changed his face a little. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure if that's age, if he's just, you know, fill, you know filling out, or if the um, accident that he had kind of changed his, his face a little. It could have. It is, it is a little bit hard to tell. Because um, it happened at a, at a point in his life where he was, you know, where the transition is difficult to say which is which, you know. Well, thank you for helping me noodle this. Um, like I said, I mean, no I was really, I was really clear about kind of what what the 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 seed of the idea was. It's just I'm like, that's a lot of potential direction. Hmm. And really, I could make could have made it gone any direction depending upon how I threw the obstacles in Victoria's path because she could have the same motivation. And if she's able to get control and have power, her path is very different than if she's not able to get control and have power, which would put her right. trying to solidify a power base in Beacon Hills with Talia as support, which is very different than her having a lot of influence amongst the hunters. And I mean, her motivations could be exactly the same, but if she can't secure support, she has to, you know, fall back and, fortify her position it, it's actually i think it would be my head canon that most hunters don't want to be that fringe element that they don't want to devote their lives to this they would much prefer to have a house and kids and a wife and then occasionally get called in to deal with a problem yeah i i agree that makes so much more sense than than the just the people who eat leave you know um eat and breathe this kind of shit. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The just kind of roving. Um, roving mercenary type vibe. It's like really. I mean you can see like one or two that way. But like whole tribes of them. Makes no sense. Not and stay under the radar. Yeah I agree. I don't see how they. I don't see how that would even be possible. It's like wait what. <laughs> But I mean, the, the, the Argents, they just had, I mean, it was clear in canon, they just had these roving band of like mercenary type soldiers who could just roll into town um, with, you know, AR-15s and, and SUV, in the giant black SUVs. And it's like, really? <laughs> okay. That's a lot of money that they're shelling out. And, and the only people you're going to get interested in that kind of work are people who just want to kill things. You know, that... They don't have any ties. They don't have anything holding them down. They just want to kill. Otherwise, they're not going to be like, no, I can't. My daughter's going to dance recital. I can't I can't go to South Dakota and, and kill a Kelpie. Are you kidding? <laughs> I got I got tickets for Hamilton tonight. Can can someone else take it? <laughs> right. They're gonna be they're gonna be like, they're gonna have territory. They're gonna be like, I'm gonna handle what's in my backyard. And that could actually be like the Renaissance that she helps fun is the hunters that want to stay closer to home and settle down and protect a territory and they find that it's a lot easier working with wolf packs to do that it's like you know hello if you want to make I get me to sure see you... my kids play this week that that's awesome yeah it's like do you want to make have a... kate come in and try to destabilize that they'd be like bitch 
<laughs> what? And I if, literally do have tickets to Hamilton. What is wrong with you? <laughs> do you have any idea how much these cost, you fucking cow? <laughs> you moo. I cannot even. I can't even with you. That's that'd be me too. That's. I think our tickets were like four hundred bucks a piece. I'd have been. I'd have been like, if somebody had messed up my Hamilton plans, I'd have been like, motherfucker, you are. I'm gonna I'm gonna change my stance on violence just for you. But yeah, and that could be an interesting thing that Victoria's done is she's given she's created this like stable group of basically what kind of start to feel like a shadow branch of civil servants who work with local wolf packs to help control these threats that are are big danger to you know to to humans and nobody knows they do this but it's you know. And they have a lot of pride in, in what they do and in protecting people and blah, 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 blah. But it's only possible because they have better backup, you know, the the wolfy kind of backup. I'm telling you, man, I would not. Seriously. The way they describe Wendigos and stuff, I would not want to go after one with a, with a revolver or even a, hunt, a hunting rifle. Fuck no. Like, can we have not a small... Gonna do it. A small nuclear weapon would be fine for me. I'm like I might be able, to, <laughs> I might be willing to do it then. <laughs> okay, so I think we're done with this thing. So, okay, let's end the podcast. Which may I don't know, actually. I'm pretty okay with sharing this one because I wanted to. Well, let's end the podcast, and I'll tell you. Okay. Well, um, I hope this uh, this. Um, this idea bounce um, was very helpful to those of you who listened and um, we will be offering more conversations like this in the future. Thank you. And say goodbye, Jilly. Goodbye, everyone.